What's up, everybody, and welcome to a new interview of the Language Input Podcast. And today I'm going to have Katrina on the podcast, and she's Norwegian. And, you know, she's got a lot of wonderful ideas and tips when it comes to language acquisition. There's a specially useful one that's related to Netflix that she's going to talk about. And she's also going to tell us how she learned Korean and much more. So, you know, I, I think you're going to love it. You're going to really enjoy this episode. And I hope you do as much as I did. And yeah, let's get right into it. Let's go. Okay. So hi, and welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you for inviting me. And um, well, for those of you who don't know you, um, which could be everyone, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I think more more people will get to know you because uh, you know I think your your channel is really wonderful, and you really do a great job of of teaching Norwegian with comprehensible input. So even for people who have Thank no you. idea about Norwegian, like I did, <laughs> they'll they'll find it fun and comprehensible. So that that's the main thing. Awesome, thank you. And yeah, so with that being said, just tell us about your experience with languages, your successes, your failures, um, your experience as a teacher yourself, whatever comes to your mind. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so first of all, I'm um, half Norwegian, half American. Okay. My dad is American, my mom is Norwegian. And so I was born in Norway, but when I was two years old, we moved to the US. And so even though Norwegian was my first language, um, by the time I was three, I was mostly speaking English. So Norwegian kind of became a heritage language for me. My mother would speak Norwegian to me and to my sisters, but then we would generally just respond in English. Mm. When I was 10 years old, we moved back, no, 11. When I was 11 years old, we moved back to Norway. And um, so at that point, I thought I knew Norwegian. <laughs> I was very quickly uh, shocked to realize that I understood practically nothing of what was going on around me. Okay. Um, and so I think probably a lot of heritage speakers might have a similar experience because in the home, the things that you talk about, um, it's not a very broad sort of base of subjects, right. and not, not a very broad um, yeah, base of vocabulary. So, uh, <laughs> so very quickly, um, I was dropped into just normal school, sixth grade in primary school, and um, was basically just told to, you know, uh, do your best. <laughs> so, as most kids do, I just did. Um, it was also in a dialect that was not the same as what my mother spoke. It was very, very different. And so it was pretty frustrating at first, um, but I just kind of managed. Um, and within a year, I, I was comfortable communicating mostly. <laughs> so it took, it took about a year. I could mostly follow along in school. Um, and then we moved to a different part of Norway with a completely different uh, dialect. All right. And um, the first three months of that were were really really hard so I was I was the one who was in the bathroom crying 
during during recess because I couldn't understand what the science teacher was saying or whatever. But then I, you know, got a whole got got used to that dialect as well, um, and eventually started speaking that dialect. We lived there for quite a few years. Um, when I finished high school, I moved to France, mm. and I had not learned any French ahead of time. Uh, I went for a for an audition for a school, like a physical theater school, and so I stayed in France for, yeah, I got accepted to the school, um, and the interview was basically, so you know you have to learn French, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. They were like, okay, you're in. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so I did. Um, again, no studying. Um, I was just in the school taking the classes, and most of the classes were actually perfect for immersion because it was things like ballet, fencing, mm. um, like various forms of physical theater where the whole group is doing more or less the same thing. And the what the teacher is saying is like directly related to what's mm. going on in class. So I could just watch what was going on and then be between classes and after classes and on the weekends, I'd hang out with the other students. So I picked up French pretty quickly. Um, I wasn't really trying to learn French, but it was just like living my life in French. That's why you succeeded. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I actually think so. Um, but at the time, I had no idea. And then after seven years of that, I went, moved back to Norway, went to university, and then um, got a real job. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and then spent the next, yeah, probably 15 or more years um, working and not learning any languages whatsoever. Oh, I forgot to say, when I was a teenager in Norway, I had friends who were families from refugee families, both from, um, from Iran. So mm -hmm. the parents had come uh, right around the revolution or right after the revolution. And the kids were often like either born in, in Iran, came to Norway when they were like one or two years old or born here. Mm -hmm. And then, um, when I was in high school, my friends, my best friend was from um, former Yugoslavia. So her family had come over also as refugees. And so I was exposed to Persian and Serbo-Croatian also growing up. And because um, the kids often liked to talk to each other in Persian or in Serbo-Croatian, and I wanted to know what was going on, I started picking up um, a little bit of those languages. But again, no studying. I didn't like sit down and learn any grammar or whatever. Actually, with Persian, I did sit down with a book once to learn how to write. Okay. Um, so, so I could read Persian, though most of the time I had no idea what I was reading. <laughs> so yeah, so then at the end of high school, I moved to France. Seven years later, came back to Norway. And then from then on, no languages for like a long time. And then I was... For work, I had to travel a bit and I was in a different city and met up with a friend of mine in that city. And she long time ago had lived in Korea for one year and taught English. And she lived out in the sticks, like out in the middle of nowhere where nobody spoke a word of English. And so she learned Korean that year. And um, when I was visiting her, this was in the States, when I was visiting her um, for work, she took me to a Korean public bath or a Korean spa. Okay. And so after like three hours of just hanging out and, you know, um, doing the spa thing, we, we had tea 
in the little tea room. And she was like, do you want to learn how to read Korean? I was like, yeah, <laughs> of course I do. Yeah. That, sounds, that sounds super cool. I had no idea. Like I knew nothing about Korea. I didn't, I hadn't heard the language. I didn't really know what the writing looked like. I had never seen any movies or dramas. I hadn't listened to Korean music, nothing. I I'd probably met some Koreans when I was living in the U.S. as a child. Um, but again, they all spoke English. Like right. I wouldn't know. Yeah. So she spent like 45 minutes teaching me the Korean writing system and it's incredibly well-designed. It's fascinating. And after that, we ran around the spa and read all the signs. Xiao, massage. Yeah. So that was super fun. And I got like just a little bit curious and I wasn't going to learn Korean. <laughs> I had no intention of learning Korean, but I got just a little bit curious. And so I downloaded the Korean um, keyboard onto my mm -hmm. phone. I tried Duolingo for like 10 minutes and hated it. <laughs> um, and then every time I was on an airplane for work, I would watch all the Korean movies that was on the in-flight system. Um, and I watched a couple of Korean dramas. Um, and what else did I do? Oh, I read some books translated to English, Korean novels translated to English, or um, novels by Korean American authors that were originally written in English. And I got more and more curious, and especially like hearing the language in the in the movies and the series, um, I really started wanting to learn more. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but how do you learn a language? Like mm -hmm. I had never done it. Right. Like on purpose, like yeah. never learned a language. Sorry, sorry to inter try to interrupt oh, yeah. for a second, but yeah. did you watch them with English subtitles or? Oh yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I had no intention of doing like you know multimedia immersion or anything. I just was like, oh, I just want to learn a little bit more about Korean culture. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah, in entertainment that was just I don't know a little bit interesting and, and different from from what I was used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. So I had this moment where I was like, I kind of want to try to learn it, but how? <laughs> like, how would you do that? And so I started, I think I found Fluent Forever. Mm -hmm. I read the book Fluent Forever by Gabe Weiner. And I really like, like, it's probably one of the best books about memory. Um, now, it's not necessarily what I would recommend for, for learning a language, but I think that if if it's a language that's kind of close to your own and you just want enough to be able to like get by mm -hmm. um, on vacation, I think it's probably a really good approach. So I spent, you know, I don't know, two or three months. I have no idea how long it was. Like I wasn't tracking at all. A, a, a fair amount of time following his um, suggestions or recommendations from the book and memorizing individual words using flashcards. Mm -hmm. After a while of that, I was like, this is going nowhere. <laughs> and so his one of the things he suggested doing was going and taking those words and going to Italki and getting a tutor mm. and putting them in sentences and then memorizing the sentences with flashcards. I was like, okay, I can try that. And it was kind of like, yeah, it was no better than just learning individual words. Maybe a little bit, but it wasn't really getting me anywhere. 
And at one point I was, I was like watching all of the polyglot videos on the internet and feeling more and more depressed about how terrible I was and how that's so impossible everything. We'll get into that later, but that's yeah. so important. Yeah. Yeah. I was feeling so bad until I came across a video by a guy named Brown. Brown, he's in at yeah. the University of mm -hmm. University of some university in Orange County, I think. Mm. I yeah, that was that video about acquire language, not don't learn it. Not learn it, yeah. And so he goes into TPRS, he goes into TPR, he goes into, and basically like he interviews Krashen. Mm. And there I was like, oh, <laughs> I see. So I stopped the flashcards. I stopped trying to memorize. And I brought pictures to an Italki tutor. Actually, I tried 25 different Italki tutors because most Italki tutors will still try to teach you grammar, no matter what you no matter what you do. But I went like I found an Italki tutor that was absolutely adorable, spoke almost no English, and was totally happy to just describe pictures to me. Right. And the the language just started unlocking in my in my brain super quickly. Um, and very like colloquial, casual, um, not intimate, not like intimate close friends Korean, but it, but the the, the little ex exclamations and the things, the way that you that you have a normal conversation, and it was super fun. Hmm. So I did that for months, like a, maybe an hour or two a week, for I'm not sure if it was like six or seven, maybe eight months, but quite quite a long span of time. And over that time, I was clearly always making a little bit of progress. And so I got more and more motivated <laughs> to like actually um, learn it. And then one day I came across, but oh yeah, I kept searching comprehensible input Korean on YouTube or anywhere and found basically nothing. And so eventually I found um, a video by Matt versus Japan. Mm. Mm. And it was something like, you don't need comp like, or can you use incomprehensible input? Okay. And his argument was kind of <laughs> like, if there's something you understand, even if it's not a lot, that's enough to start. Like it's, it plants a seed and it, it'll start growing from there. And so if you just get lots and lots and lots, and he also recommends using flashcards, um, but, but if you just do it a lot, um, it'll work. And, you know, the proof being in the pudding, it's what he did for like five years. Um, he just went super mass immersion on, on Japanese and got really good results. So I was like, I, I can do that. There's a pandemic on. This was right at the start mm -hmm. of the pandemic. I was like, I can watch Korean dramas with no subtitles. I have the time. Totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So I did for about 2000 hours. Um, and at the end of about 2000 hours, um, the pandemic started, like, at least around where I was loosening up a little bit. And uh, I can now watch Korean dramas comfortably with no subtitles and be thoroughly entertained. I don't understand all the words. I don't always understand all the details of what's going on, but I understand more than enough to be well entertained. Yeah, to understand what's going on on the general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, laugh at jokes, cry when it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that and 
Yeah, of course. If it's just a bit comprehensible, it's always going to be better than nothing, right? Mm. Obviously, if the, the thing is, from, from a technical standpoint, it's ideal when you understand most of it, when you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. The problem is mm, the resources you can you can consume in order to understand 90% or most of what's going on, especially when you're starting out with language or you know, cartoons, comic books, like really simple things that you know, I love them as a set of transition resources, but obviously as an adult. It's not the thing I look forward to watching every single day, you know? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't watch I, cartoons. I totally get where, you, where, where you're coming from. Like, you know, even if instead of 90%, you're, you're getting 50 and not exactly understanding everything that's going on, but yeah. still a series that you're really looking forward to, to getting home and, you know, just watching for half an hour. I get that, yeah. Yeah. So it might I'm not wonderful. be the most efficient way as opposed to the other one, but because of your motivation, it actually may be the most efficient, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a trade-off, right? You right. have, if you can find things that are more comprehensible, but you don't care, it's probably not going to be very efficient. Whereas if it's less comprehensible, but you do care, it'll at least keep you in front of the screen long enough to get some comprehensible right. input. Right, and, and and it doesn't feel like like a chore or like uh, yeah. you're learning, like you said, like you, it didn't feel like learning. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I get that. Like you know, it also depends on the language. Like I, as a native Spanish speaker, when I started with Italian, I was okay with cartoons and things like that because I knew that pretty soon I was going to be able to understand, you know, documentaries or even series. Like that was pretty quick. When, when I got to a point in which I could understand series in, in Italian with no subtitles. Yeah. Of course, you know, um, people, listening to the, <clears throat> people listening to this now already, but we're talking about listening, not speaking, obviously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't speak Korean. <laughs> right, right, right. But the, the thing is, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. Yeah, that Italian. So if, if it's another... Korean, like Korean for you, it's it's gonna be tougher because you can start watching cartoons that you might be able to understand. But if you have to watch cartoons for a year in order to get to that point in which you start being able to consume resources that you're truly interested in, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a I long skipped, period. It's a long period. Yeah. I, yeah, I skipped cartoons. I skipped web dramas. I just couldn't bear the the bad acting and the bad sound quality. I just couldn't do it. So right. I skipped that. A lot of people really love the web dramas, though, because because they are simpler. The stories are really repetitive. Yeah. I will admit that when I started watching dramas, I maybe understood 30%, not more. And that's 30% of what's going on, not 30% of the words. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess technically I understood a lot of small words that don't don't carry meaning. Like, you can understand 80% yeah. of the of a sentence without understanding the sentence, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. the words in the sentence, yeah. Yeah, so I understood very, very little, but it was enough to catch the basic plot. And so that was enough to hook me in. Mm. And then well, it was just kind of a matter of time. Yeah, and you, you were enjoying it. So again, even if it's not the most efficient way from a technical standpoint, again, it doesn't feel like learning. So you're willing yeah. to 
go on with it, right? Yeah. It just, yeah, that's that's important. That that happened to me with Polish, for example. Like uh, I could really understand cartoons. I could understand simple things like that, but uh, every time I was trying to get to the next level and understand more complex resources, I felt like I wasn't really understanding what was going on. So there was like a plateau there that was a bit frustrated, frust uh, yeah. frustrating, sorry. But eventually I got there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I, I'm more patient than most people in the, because I'm, I'm super passionate about the whole process overall. So just the, the feeling of being able to understand such a different language is rewarding enough for me to yeah. be more patient. But I totally feel what you're saying. Yeah. But, yeah, it feels like it's not, it's not the same as a plateau. Like a, a lot of people talk about the intermediate plateau. Yeah. And it feels like that's not a plateau of your progress. It's a gap in the resources. Like yeah. your progress would be, would continue to be consistent if you could find the resources that would help bridge the right. gap. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's where like YouTube channels or resources created by language teachers get into, into play because they can adapt their speech. So it's comprehensible for you, but at the same time, talk about, I don't know, cultural things about their countries or queer right. stories that are you know more interesting than cartoons themselves right totally i, I th yeah i think she was the first person i had on the show like ina from russia she's got a channel called comprehensible russian and she talks a lot about russian culture russian architecture history movies yeah and she, she does that in a comprehensible way of course so the, you, you can feel that that's actually the type of content that was yeah. lacking in that in that period that you were talking about. Yeah. To sort of transition from really simple things that you can understand, but you don't enjoy as much. Yeah. And then get to a point in which you can understand the, the things that pretty much you would normally watch in your own native language, right? Yeah, because exactly. you love them. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I just one quick thing like you mentioned not not understanding all of the words and that i think that's important because like to give everyone a simple example if, if you're saying i'm going to the museum if you understand the i the going and the museum you know the two the that that's you you don't need to understand that right and my my only concern when it comes to, to watching or to consuming content, to watching resources that you understand 30% of, like you said, yeah. is that subconsciously you start going to pay more attention to form as opposed to meaning. Co correct me if I'm wrong, if that happened. I never did. Oh, okay. Yeah. According to Matt versus Japan, you're supposed to be trying to catch words that you recognize and put them in your flashcard deck. I was very lazy about that. I almost never, I couldn't be bothered to like follow the form. All I wanted to do was know the story. Right, right. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, like actually, I think that that was a blessing for you, to be honest. Because <laughs> <But, laughs> I, I don't mean um, focusing on form as he's talking about, you know, not, not but even sub like for me, I'm totally convinced that this is the way languages are actually acquired. I, I've, I've learned to, 
of I'm sort of unlearned, <laughs> you know, to not pay attention to form. And, and what so to give you a, like a concrete example, a few years ago, even when I started with this project and I knew about comprehensive input and so on, when I would watch a series in Portuguese, for example, I would focus on, on, on the meaning, on the story. But still, there were moments here and there that if I didn't understand a specific word, I was like, hmm, what, what did it say? Like, what, what expression of word? You know, just in the back of my mind, even without me controlling that, that I was oh, so trying to remember what they were talking about. Mm. Oh, so he or she used that expression, you know? So it wasn't so much about, okay, this word, I'm going to write it down. No, not at all. If I yeah. had to do that, I wouldn't even speak Spanish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I, I learned to forget about that. To, to, I learned to relax and understand that if I'm understanding what's going on, it's it's coming in. My brain is going to mm -hmm. figure it out. Don't tell me how. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's good news <laughs> that we don't know how that happens. But it's, it's happening, right? But with police, for example, that, that I mentioned before, when, when I was trying to watch resources that were a little bit ahead of my uh, understanding at that point, I found myself paying more attention to form, to specific mm -hmm. words because of that. Maybe yeah. I was, my brain was searching for words that it could recognize so right. I could make sense of the entire thing. I don't know, just yeah. <laughs> making things up on the fly right now, but. Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Because I don't know, it, the process is so subconscious. I yeah. pretty much always just like, if I didn't understand, I just let it go and looked at the pretty pictures or whatever. Mm, yeah. Uh. That's a pretty healthy way of looking at it, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it needs to be comprehensible enough, but yeah, because. Yeah you you know you're so much more relaxed when when you go about it that way yeah I've, back to my example with series i felt the difference like i'm way more relaxed and i'm enjoying every single minute of it so much more because of that because i mean i think that obviously it all comes from the traditional grammar approach being so dominant and we are having the same type of education when it comes to languages, because it sort of trains your brain to focus on form, right? Yeah. So again, it's, it's not your fault if you're listening to this, right? <laughs> it's, it's no one's fault, but so it's it's natural that you're paying attention to that. Yeah. But it is, you're watching an episode and you're sort of tensed all the time that you're, you're afraid of missing out specific words or yeah. what did they say, what is, you know? that you, yeah. you actually don't enjoy as much. Yeah, and I was like, I can just rewatch this six, from, six months from now. So I'm not really missing out on anything. Um, it'll, it'll be a mystery until the next time I see it, if I really like it enough to rewatch it. Then I would rewatch, some of them I did rewatch like six or seven or eight months later and understood so much more, mm. cleared up all the mysteries. It was super fun. Uh -huh. Oh, so that, now, that, now that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, she did tell, uh, no, he did tell her that why he was in jail or that he was in jail. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but there's even some enjoyment in that, in yeah. figuring, figuring things out. Like, you just start an episode, 
not really sure what's going on here, but like five minutes later, you sort of figure it out and then you're home. Yeah. Feels so great, right? Yeah, yeah. Go. Actually, uh, recently, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna ask you, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I, I recently found a pretty good bridge. So there's, there's a language where I understand a little bit, but not, like if I try to watch a movie, I don't understand the dialogues. But if I watch, um, if I put on the audio description track, are you familiar with this? This is when there's a narrator that um, describes what's going on in the non-dialogue parts. Yeah. So, so if you're visually impaired, um, it's a way of enjoying uh, a movie or drama more. And Netflix has quite a lot of audio description. Mm. And so um, for this language where I don't really understand a lot, but I understand the audio description mostly, um, I watch it with English subtitles. So I get the dialogue in English. I'm not even paying attention to the language. But then all the non-dialogue parts, which is about a third mm. of any movie or drama, um, I'm getting comprehensible input. <laughs> so, in Korean? Um, you know. ah. No, in Korean, I don't need it. Well, okay, so yeah, no, so no. it's a yeah. Okay, so yeah, you mean like you know, there's someone um, getting inside a, a building, and there's someone explaining that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, Tom runs up the stairs, open the door, opens the door, and a little girl comes running out. Um, Tom turns around and watches as the little girl runs off, and you know whatever. That's awesome. That's that. That's a wonderful idea. I actually, I've I've only done one video like that, but I was thinking about that, and <laughs> I I did one video like that in Spanish. I, I just took a, like a copyright free movie from back when I don't know, like 50, 60 years ago. Awesome. And that's what I was doing in the background. Like no, I just uh, muted the movie, and it was like yeah. so now the, it's like a western movie. So now. <laughs> you know, the sheriff is coming to town or whatever, you know. Right. And I, I also try to make it uh, even more funny possible by by asking, you no, know, by telling people watching the video to try to guess what's going to happen next. Right. Right. So I'm like, yeah. you know, the, the train gets to town and, you know, there are some bandits or whatever it is. No, the, the train is approaching uh, the town. So what's going to happen now? And I give them four options, you know, like yeah, bandits are going to just jump on the train and <laughs> steal their money or, you know, they arrive to the town peacefully. Mm. Then we get to see what, what happens. So it's easier to connect the ideas, right? Yeah. But yeah, so so you said Netflix has that? Netflix has it, a lot of audio on, description. It depends on the Sorry? movie, it depends on the movie, the language, or, or what? You can do a search in the search bar, audio description in and then language, and oh. it'll show you which movies and, sh and uh, shows and documentaries have the audio description. And so some languages have a ton, like uh, Korean, like mm. lots and lots and lots and lots, sort of endless source of audio description. Uh, Norwegian, not so much. It's like maybe 10, 10 titles might have. Audio description. That's yeah. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. I did a slightly different thing with Netflix as well. When when I started with Polish, again I was in that um, period or plateau that we were just talking about. So I was trying different ideas to 
you know, access resources that I was really interested in, but that I could understand. And in that sense, a lot of people hate dubbing, but I think it's wonderful if, if, if you're trying to learn a different language. So I don't like it in my own language. So I don't watch, I don't like to watch an American movie dubbed in, into Spanish because I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if, you, if we're talking about a third language, so what I did a lot of was watch an American series dubbed into French or Portuguese, for example. Right. Because they're not the, the original actors. So they tend to speak slowly and more, way more clearly and mm. it's way easier to understand. Yeah. But the, the fun, well, fun. The thing with Polish is the dubbing they have here, it's, <laughs> so they, they keep the original version but oh. it's one person talking in the background. <laughs> so it's, so the thing is, if I wanted to watch an American series, I would watch the, I would listen, I mean, I would hear the English part first or in between. Yeah. So I wasn't really paying attention to, to the Polish part. Right. So what I did was I, I tried to find movies or series in Netflix in languages that I didn't know. And yeah, yeah. Like Norwegian, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one show about, like, uh, ah, what was the name? It was like, uh, like a sitcom, sort of a sitcom, but a girl going to a Christmas family party. And oh, home for Christmas. I have not seen yeah, it. Yeah, something like that. She yeah. was single and everyone was married or in the couple. Yeah, something like that. Because obviously I didn't understand a word of, of uh, Norwegian. So my brain only focused on the Polish part, right? But that was still weird. <laughs> yeah. But what you're talking about is actually more interesting because you listen to the to the words and you see the action at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Actually, when I watch Korean shows, I don't put uh, subtitles on. But I do, if it's available, I use the audio description track just because it's there's more, more language. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Yeah, because I've i also talked about watching sports a lot my time because that that's what helped me with English, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because again, it's the same 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 idea, same concept. Is. Yeah, it's TPR related as well. Like with sports, there's the commentator explaining what's going on on the court, yeah. or whatever it is. So you, it's easier to understand to connect the words with the actual action on the court. Right? Yeah. So it's yeah. the same principle. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking it would be good to find like DIY videos on the internet in the target language. It's really hard to find things that are interesting and good. Like yeah. how to unclog a toilet or how to change the <laughs> doorknob or whatever. Right. But, yeah. yeah, I guess it would take someone to consciously adjust the way this, they talk about it. Not necessarily, but I think that finding, finding good videos in a foreign language when you don't know the language very well is really hard, I found. Hmm. But by good videos, you mean comprehensible or? Yeah, or like interesting mm. <laughs> like there's so many bad videos so many right, uninteresting right. videos and so being able to sift through and kind of have a feeling for whether this is good or bad it's it's i find that really difficult right. in a foreign language or in a language that i'm learning yeah well i guess 
cooking videos may come handy in that. But if, yeah. you're, if, you, if you're interested, you're yeah. Approach, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, do it yourself stuff like you talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you about Korean. Like, I think you mentioned something that's really important. You said that you can understand series right now, dramas, right? But yeah. you don't speak Korean. Yeah, well, I haven't really tried. <laughs> I do crosstalk in Korean. So I have a couple of friends or like acquaintances who understand really good English and understand English really well. And um, and so they'll just speak in, in Korean and I'll speak in English and we can just have conversations. That's probably some of the most fun I've had in the language um, just because it feels, I don't know, I felt, I felt like a, an action hero. <laughs> Just, just <laughs> being able to have this conversation in a foreign language where right, right. it wasn't stressful at all for for either of us. Yeah, yeah, because it's and and it's a real conversation. It's a real conversation about like about a promotion that one of us had at work, or problems that we're having with a manager, or or yeah. like um, I don't know, just you know, life. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful blend of. Not being stressed out because you don't have to reply in your in your target language. Yeah. But having a totally normal conversation, real life conversation at the same time. I think the reason why it's not so popular yet is again because we think if we're not speaking, we're not learning the language. Yeah. Like, and I don't care because I have nothing to prove. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's that's important too. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is. Again, because of the traditional grammar approach, it's not your fault if you're listening to this. Mm. You probably think you need to speak in order to learn the mm. language. If, you, if you're not speaking, you're not learning the language. So when I when I tell people about crush talk, it's like, but you're not speaking the language. Yeah. <laughs> but you're listening to it for the whole time. Yeah. And that's what you need in order to learn the language, right? Yeah. And you to that, you add the fact that as you mentioned, you're not going to be stressed because yeah. when the other person is speaking, you perfectly understand what they're saying, but because you don't have to reply in your target language when you, you're clearly not ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you are, that's totally fine. But most yeah. times you're not ready for it yet. You're not stressed. You're mm. not trying to build a sentence in your mind while the other person is speaking. Right. Surprisingly enough, you understand more of what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole package. Right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done it with. I think all the languages that I speak, I've done. Yeah, it. I love it. Yeah. yeah, and it's not that I understand everything, but when there is something I don't understand, I can I can pinpoint it very easily, and then they can um, talk around it in or explain it in my target language. Yeah, yeah. So if there was often, actually, I had this one this one guy I was talking to a lot for a while. <laughs> he would he would say something and, and like the only thing I wouldn't understand would turn out to be like Google Docs, but pronounced oh. in uh in Korean and I had just never made the connection or Safari, like the Safari browser or right. something like that. That was really fun. But then another person I was talking to often, it would it would be like words that were just I hadn't come across them in comprehensible situations before. And it was really easy for him to then explain what it was without yeah. translation. Right. Yeah, if you're doing it online, just Google images, 
boom. Oh yeah. That's at it. this point we didn't even have to do that. It was like, oh no, it's the, you know, it's the the office where the president works or whatever, you know. It's like, oh, government. I yeah, but that's still that person is still using his or her native language to explain yeah. it. So you yeah. can always find a way to run it in your own native language, right? You yeah. you have the tools to do that. Yeah. Yeah, just a quick thing that I just you just reminded me of. I, I, I don't think it's that important, but it, it's um, it's funny how that works. The, the thing you mentioned about Google Docs or Safari, it's funny how that works that you're talking to or you're listening to, a diff, to one language and they, they use a different word or they use a word in a different language, like that example. I did, even if it's your own native language, you, you kind of freak out or you don't, what, what, what are you saying? Like you're expecting yeah. them to speak Korean in your example and they use an English word, Google Docs. And what do you say? <laughs> like, yeah. like your brain is not ready or I don't know how to explain it, but it's... Yeah, for, for me, it wasn't that I wasn't expecting English. It was that because I hadn't actually, because it's, it's, it's the English word, but it's pronounced in the Korean, fully pronounced in the Korean sound system. And That's I just hadn't true. heard it before. And so I hadn't like, and then I, I only needed to hear it once and it, then it was fine. True. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the sound system, actually, that's something that would be interesting to talk about because I noticed on my channel, a lot of people say, hey, can you add subtitles? Mm. And the answer is generally no. Like I have added subtitles to some of the beginner ones and, and mm. I'm, not I'm not sure it's a great idea, but a lot of people tell me that they can't remember the word if they don't see it written down. Have you heard people say that? So, so th they mean subtitles in Norwegian, right? In Norwegian, yes. Yeah, yeah, the transcript. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I think that our brain trying to constantly control the process, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, I have a hypothesis about this. Oh, <laughs> uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So when you start hearing a new sound system, your brain, so there's a statistical process in your brain that maps sounds um, to a sound in your language. So any number of sounds that are close to that sound will all get simplified and you hear it as just that sound. Okay. So when you're hearing a new language, you'll hear there will be lots of sounds that don't exist. You don't have mappings for mappings for them in your brain. So there'll be other places on this continuum, the statistical continuum, and your brain will simplify and you'll hear it as something else. And so there might be several sounds that are, are different in that language, but you'll hear them as the same thing. Uh -huh. And so people will need to see it written down to see that it's different. I mean, at least in a phonetic writing system like Korean, um, mm. they'll be able to distinguish between three similar sounds that all sound the same to them by seeing it in writing. And so they'll be able to say, oh, that's that's this. And they'll be able to like, the, the writing system is very concrete and visual, but because they're, they're hearing things in a very fuzzy, unclear way, right. it's like a desperation to be able to make something very clear that isn't mm. clear. And so the writing system will do that for you. But I think that if you learn to listen without learning to read, 
over time, your brain will start distinguishing the differences mm -hmm. and you'll start getting a clearer and clearer and more crisp um, picture of the phonetic system of the language. Right. At which point you can just hear the difference. You'll hear the difference between the, the, the sounds that seem similar and we're all mapping to the same sound. But I think that people who start to read early and rely on the clarity of the writing system in order to know which word they're hearing, I think they don't necessarily develop the ability to actually hear the proper sounds of the language. I think that it short circuits something and prevents them from actually developing the ability to hear the difference. That makes sense. Making it up, totally making things <laughs> up right now, but yeah, I, mean, I, I hear it so much. I, I, yeah, I see what you, what you mean. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, again, because when you see the written word, you you can you recognize that word, so you, you know, your conscious brain is more <laughs> relaxed again, right? Yeah. Oh, okay, I know what that is. Yeah. But when you're just listening and you're relying on what, what you talked about, you, at the beginning, you don't really, you can't really tell them apart. Yeah. Your conscious brain sort of freaks out, and we adults, <laughs> are, we want to consciously control everything, right? Yeah. And we freak out. And some people more than others, of course, but we freak out when we don't control something. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. I've, I mean, I've experimented with that in my channel, not subtitles, but pretty much the same thing. In some of my stories, I've actually written down the episode beforehand. So as I'm telling the story during the episode, I'm reading it. Right. But I try both things, the, the script, so they can actually read it at the same time and nothing. Yeah. Because also it's a way for listeners or for people watching the videos to sort of get access to more complex resource. Yeah. So it's back to the trade-off that we were talking about. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I can I can talk about way more complex and interesting details within the story because of the written help. Right. If I was relying just on, on, on speaking, on, on them listening, I might not get away with it, especially with Spanish being so similar in like a lot of words being similar to, to the English mm. counterpart, right? So yeah, it's, it's all Yeah. But it's all about what what people are trying to achieve also like maybe they don't care about having excellent pronunciation i don't know right. like some people don't need it yeah 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 i guess the number one goal for most people is being able to communicate in language i guess yeah. totally and you know we i guess we all want to be able to communicate um in the best possible way when it comes to fluency, pronunciation, everything. But, you know, I personally, I'm, I'm okay with how to put it into words. I still want to be able to communicate in all the languages that I'm trying to learn, but I'm okay with at least some of them, <laughs> you know, just being able to watch series, um, YouTube videos, whatever it is in that language or read books. Yeah. Even if my fluency or my ability to actually communicate is not that high. You know what I mean? Yep, totally. 
I realized that one thing I didn't mention is that even though I don't speak Korean, there are a lot of times when I'm in a Korean, in a conversation with a Korean, that um, Korean words and phrases will come to mind without trying. Mm. And mostly I won't. Um, I mean, if I'm doing crosstalk, it's because they also want to hear English. So I'm not going right. to um, use the Korean. But but it feels like there's a point at which um, the the words and phrases, if they come to mind naturally, there's no reason why you couldn't just use them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you just haven't put yourself out there to try to communicate because exactly. you don't have the need yet, right? Yeah. But yeah, the, you know, language is there. Like, it's working. <laughs> yeah, it's working. <laughs> like, not, not, not just because you can understand more and more and more complex resources, but it's there. It's, it's you know, yeah. if you, like, we're talking about a thousand different things, but at the end of the day, if you understand what you're listening to or reading, you're learning the language. Yeah, yeah. Quote, unquote, that simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> So it's working, it's in there, right? And yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, does it happen to you at times that you're listening to, I mean, you're watching a Korean drama or a series and sometimes little by little, you know, at the beginning, just with one word sentence or things like that, that do you know what they're going to say? Like oh, things, totally. Things like, I don't know, I'm just making it up, but English, for example, some, someone in the series saying thank you, yeah. and the other person is going to say you're welcome. Or, yeah, or like no problem or whatever. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, even situationally, like it's not just, yeah, it's not just like, oh, I know how this sentence is going to end. It's like, oh, in this situation, I totally know the intonation. I know exactly what they're going to say. And, you know, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. Super fun. I actually watched a Korean movie. It was a really silly science fiction movie um, not too long ago. And it was set in the future where everybody had a translator. Oh. So all the actors, there were lots of foreign actors, they spoke their own languages. So there was Spanish, there was Russian, there was English, um, there's Japanese, there's Chinese, and then the, the main characters all spoke Korean. And there was a there was a scene between the main uh, Korean character and the French character, and for a moment I couldn't figure out who was speaking which language. Oh, right. Like it was all comprehensible, and I was like, "Wait, they're speaking the same language? Oh wait, no." And it took a while to sort out because the it for some reason it's not really registering as a language; it's just registering as as meaning, I guess. Meaning, exciting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Like I, I ask my students at times because we're creating a story or we're playing a game, whatever it is. If at some point I ask them afterwards, of course, like did you did you sort of forget that you were listening to Spanish? Mm. Like, All right, yeah, I was just. Yeah. That's why I'm always trying to think of you know storytelling, but make it as interesting as possible or play board games uh, and yeah. like that because. You just have to focus so much on on this on meaning that yeah. you kind of forget that you're listening to yeah. a different language, and that's I actually really like that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I really like listening to movie spoilers in the foreign in my target language. Like people are basically retelling the movie, and it's movies tend to be written so that it is an interesting, exciting story, 
And so it'll be like, I don't know, Hunger Games or, you know, Home Alone or, you know, any, it might be movies from their country. It might be American Hollywood movies, but it tends to be pretty comprehensible and, um, and also entertaining. Yeah, it's similar to the idea that you, you mentioned before of Netflix, you know, being able to use Netflix for what, what do you call it? Like audio? Audio, yeah. Audio description. Audio description, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, one question about your friend that I forgot. And how did she go about teaching you Korean? I mean, the, the symbol. Oh, the written? Yeah, the written language. I mean, she just went through each. I, I mean, it's very systematic. So the vowels are either vertical or horizontal. They have one little thingy or two and and the the sound change like if you have a vertical vowel and it has one and you add one that change the sound change is systematic for all all the vowels um there are a bunch of consonants where there are three versions three different sounds that are related so they'll use the same base consonant and then change it in a very systematic way so it was just she just kind of went through mm -hmm. And, and explained it to me. And then we, yeah, I, I could go read the signs. I, of course, only understood them if they were English loan words. But. Right, because that's a topic I'm interested in, you know, like all the alphabets and things like that. Because again, I have a funny feeling that, because the process you're talking about is sounds pretty conscious to me, right? Oh, for learning the alphabet, the written language? Oh yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't... I'm, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, well, what I mean by that is the, the only language I've started with a different alphabet is Russian. Yeah. It's still not that different, right? If you compare it's that different to, enough. Yeah. to Japanese or Korean or Mandarin. And what I notice is, back to the channel that I talked about, Comprehensive Russian, in one of her videos, when I was starting out, she had a map of Europe and the names of the countries in in Cyrillic in the Cyrillic alphabet mm. in Russian. And I noticed that my brain <laughs> noticed <laughs> you know, that France and Finland had the same starting letter. Right. When she when she actually used it, you know, she talked about France. I was like, mm, so this little circle with a stick, that's right. our F. So tough, right? Yeah. So it's like my brain figured it out without me having to consciously learn the different letters. Because right. again, we see it all the time when people are trying to teach you language. The traditional grammar approach tells us to start with the alphabet, right? Here's the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. consciously learn the alphabet. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm not sure that's really efficient to be honest because it relies on consciously controlling the process again yeah and yeah actually so oh go ahead no just the final final thought that that's what i did with russian and i can yeah. do russian yeah no i don't understand what what some of the words mean a lot of the time yeah <laughs> i can read them if that makes sense totally i, I didn't have to consciously you know sort of match them. Okay, so this word is this sound, you know? Mm -hmm. And and this one, I, I mean, you as a native speaker, Finglish, you didn't have that probably, but I still remember when I was, I, I don't remember how I was, but I was in primary school. 
I was a small kid. And I remember in English class, to teach us the alphabet, they'll give us a song. So it was like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, blah, 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 blah. Which I understand you try to make it, you're trying to make it more fun for kids. And that's okay. But I realized later on, even now that I can perfectly communicate and I speak the language, when I have to spell things, sometimes I have to go through the song. Yeah. <laughs> if it's B, that's fine, right? Yeah. But if it's U or X or you have to go all the way, yeah. and I'm like, fuck, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. However, when I have to when I have to spell the letter I, for example, because in Spanish it's different, so it can be confusing. Mm. But do you know why I get I right when spelling? Because of words like VIP. Oh, right, yeah. It's so common that I've listened yeah. to so many times that I don't pay attention to I meaning this uh, letter, right? Yeah. But it, it, it comes natural, like B, okay, VIP. So, yeah. As opposed to having to go through the entire alphabet consciously, mom, right. you know? Yeah. So, and I'm sure we can find examples of that in every language. That, yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm starting to believe that any conscious effort to control the process is actually hurting you. I actually believe the same thing. For, yeah. for Korean, I wasn't really trying to learn Korean when I was learning the alphabet, so it doesn't really matter. Um, if I do this again with a different language that has a different writing system, I'm not going to learn how to read until I can hear all the sounds crystal clear. Mm -hmm. And by then it'll be easy, easier if it's a phonetic um, system to just pick it up. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with numbers, actually. People count, mm. are trying to say, oh, it's uh, 798. And they'll be like, oh, seven, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's really hard if you've learned to the numbers by counting and not through natural interactions. And yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, with English, for example, so you, I think you actually acquire them through things like, I don't know, uh, for, for courses, you use a lot, um, one-on-one, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, English one-on-one or economics right. one-on-one, whatever. So things like that, that are used on a daily basis yeah. or the 50th anniversary of whatever, you know? Yep. As opposed to, okay, so 10th, 20th, 30th, you know? Yeah. It's just, I think it's just an attempt from us adults to consciously control the process again. Because when, when you have that knowledge, to sort of rely back on, you feel more relaxed, but it's hurting you. <laughs> That's the funny yeah. thing. <laughs> I do think and, it is. And when you're, you're only relying on the comprehensive input you got and the subconscious acquisition of the process. Yeah. Back to your example with Korean, you don't really know if you can communicate in Korean, but the moment you have to, it'll, you know, you'll be surprised. Right. I assume that if you drop me into a village in Korean where in Korea where nobody speaks English, I, I assume I would be fine. I would say lots of things incorrectly. I would have I would not have perfect pronunciation, but I'm sure I could communicate enough to 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 get around. But I haven't proven it, and also I don't care. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of fine. That's perfect.
Yeah, yeah but it's it's funny how that works. I, I guess that works for a lot of things in life, but we're talking languages here. <laughs> and we're always trying to constantly control things, but anyway. I actually saw, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. I, I saw an example a few days ago in a, in a language learning forum where someone was complaining that there were these four words, I can't even remember what the words were, words in Korean, that all, they couldn't keep them apart in their brain. Like they always, they, they really struggle to remember which one meant which thing. Mm -hmm. And I looked at them and I was like, those words are totally different. And it's, it happens to be four words that are super common and that I just learned purely, <clears throat> purely through immersion and never actually tried to memorize. But I know the feeling of having tried to memorize words that are similar. Like I, I use flashcards a lot for the first, even when I was doing like lots and lots of immersion, I, mm -hmm. I was really trying to use flashcards and, and memorize and use that to help make the immersion more, more comprehensible. Mm. But whenever I memorized words, if they were in any way similar, like I, I still struggle to keep them apart. Yeah. I think for me, flashcards are just a funnier way to learn the wrong way, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've, I've ditched I've ditched flashcards. I'm never going to use them again. I mean, never say never. I don't think I will ever use flashcards again. Yeah. It's like an, an attempt to make it more interesting or more fun. But it's still more effective, I think. Or, yeah, but it's still it's still focusing on the wrong idea, right? On on mem unconsciously memorizing things, or you know what I mean. Have you have you read the the book um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman? I think he's an economist. He won a Nobel Prize for some of his work. I think I have it on my list somewhere, but I haven't read it. Yeah. Yeah. But so I, the, main, yeah. the main idea is that he, he says that there are two systems in the brain and he calls one system, system one and one system, system two. And I can never remember which one is which, but one is the, the system, the things that happen on automatic where your reactions and reflexes are super, super fast. The, the knowledge or the, um, or the, the action feels instantaneous and automatic. And then the other system is effortful and like it's hard and you can only do it for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem with memorization is that you're using this effortful focused system, but when you're actually speaking, you're using the other system. And so it's really hard to get a, you know, something from the memorized place, from the, from the one system over into the other. And I don't think it's impossible to do. I just think that the brain structures that you develop when you're learning in that way through translation and memorization and grammar, I think that the brain structures won't feel the same as when you're speaking an, a language that you have right. acquired naturally. Yeah, it is two different processes or yeah, yeah it makes sense. It's like, yeah, that's, that's why, you know, when, when you listen to someone speaking a foreign language, they have a sort of broken speech with a lot of pauses. That's why. That's because they're trying to access that conscious knowledge, but yeah. in real in real time, you know, yeah, you just don't have the time to do that. You just don't have the time, yeah. So it's just a different process. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you're if you're taking an exam in which you have all the time, I mean, all the time, you have a lot of time to think about your answers. Yeah. You can access that conscious knowledge that you got from grammar classes, from flashcards, from memorizing words. But, 
But that's also why when you're speaking that way after half an hour, your brain is about to explode, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. Like you, you've been speaking like that for half an hour. And just like, just give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do the bottom. Even even yeah. if you don't need to, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah and I, I want to ask you about your channel as well. Like, I, so are you creating videos for beginners only, or different types of um, um, I, learners, or what? Yeah. What's your goal with with it? Yeah. What I eventually would like. So. Right now I have four or five types of videos. I have one type of video where I have lots and lots of pictures and I have like a target structure or something mm -hmm. um, and a few vocabulary words. And then I'll use the pictures to vary, like very TPRS circling style, mm -hmm. um, just to get the repetition ne necessary to, to sort of effortlessly understand um, or, and figure out what it means also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those are the ones I've, I've watched, like, uh, this, yeah. this is something, that is whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, is this a bear? No, this is a mm -hmm. hedgehog, <laughs> whatever. Um, so, so there's that, and that one, those videos have lots and lots and lots of pictures to help triangulate the meaning. And then I have um, beginner videos that have just one picture, where I'll systematically go through the picture and ask a question, like, what is this? What color is this? How many are there? Mm -hmm. um, is it above or below? Sort of all of everything I can think of that's within the, the structures that I've already covered or that are nearby so that it still feels mm -hmm. really comprehensible. And it's slow, it's clear, and it's question answer. And then at the end of the video, I'll go through and just with statements and describe it again, still very slowly and clearly. Mm -hmm. And then there's a follow-on video, which is the same picture, and it's only statements, and it's spoken at natural speed. So it's still simple language, very, very simple Norwegian. Um, and it's still beginner, but the speed is normal speed. It's what the speed that I would use when talking to my, to my family or whatever. And then I'll use the same picture, and I'll just talk about it casually, not in a structured way, um, much more difficult language, but still, I wouldn't say that it's advanced, it's probably like lower intermediate. Mm -hmm. um, the, the speed varies, the difficulty level varies, it's really uncontrolled and kind of chaotic, um, but very natural. And because it's still describing a picture, it's still pretty darn com comprehensible. And then I have um, videos where I play uh, Find the Differences game. So I found the Smithsonian Magazine has, um, they publish a new puzzle every day. And so they'll show you, you know, uh, uh, two versions of a picture and they've Photoshopped both of them so that they're slightly different. There are 10 differences and um, it's actually interactive. So it shows you how many differences are left. You can click on a difference um, and it'll like make them both the same. And it has a little timer and you can get hints. It's really fun. And so I'll go through and find, describe um, the pictures as I'm looking for these um, these differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a lot of things to help viewers understand what's going on. Yeah. yeah, and also I was thinking that for the most part, people who want to learn the region are starting from scratch, right? Because I mean, if you're teaching Spanish or English or French, depending on the country the person wanting to learn the language comes from, 
definitely had some experience with the language in high school, but I'm guessing with Norwegian, for most people, you're starting completely from scratch, right? So you, yeah. like, again, for me with Spanish, I can sort of get into stories right away. Obviously, when you're creating videos, you don't have another person on the other side. It's impossible to please everybody, of course. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting the live feedback to sort of adjust yeah. to, to the other person, right? But I can get away with a lot more stuff because, yeah. of, right? In Norwegian, I think it depends on what language you're coming from. If you've got a Germanic language in the background, hmm. um, it is still, there are going to be so many cognates. I mean, even with English, there are a lot of cognates in English. And so I think that um, if you're coming to Norwegian from, I don't know, say Vietnamese and your English is not good, then like <laughs> you're starting fresh. There's right. nothing helping you. Um, and I, I really would like to have videos that let you start there with absolutely nothing mm -hmm. and then build on that. I also want to do videos with um, conversations. So two people talking because you get, it's really different the how you hand off mm -hmm. the conversation, all the little interjections and, and comments yeah. and reactions in a conversation. I think those are really important to learn and get used to. Yeah. So I'd love to do that if I can find someone, another mm -hmm. native speaker who re really loves um, the style of, of, of learning and teaching. It's more like a real life speech, right? Yeah. Yeah and what actually goes on in the streets, yeah. Yeah, and I would like to do, um, like you were saying, was Ina, uh, who has mm -hmm. the comprehensible Russian? Yeah, I want, really wanna do um, videos that talk about cultural things in Norway, um, yeah. the history of the country, the, um, just interesting personalities uh, or, or events, yeah. Yeah, and all the mythology you have up there, it's, it's wonderful, yeah. 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 So yeah, I'll leave the, the link to, to it in the show description, but any, any other thing that you want me to leave, like a blog or anything, just, you, nope. you can let me know afterwards, but YouTube channel, you know. Yeah, no, there's nothing. Perfect. And yeah, I don't know, any, any other thing that comes to your mind or anything that we didn't touch on? I can't think of anything. All right. So that was fun. That was fun. And thank you again for, for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying them a lot. Like uh, I keep saying it's the same thing, but we all have sort of the same idea when it comes to how the process works. But, you know, we'll have our little nuances or little techniques or, you know, like your yeah. thing that I hadn't thought about or, your experience with Korean, you know, I think it's really helpful for me yeah. personally, but for people listening to, to these episodes. Yeah, I, I also like the podcast series because it comes, like, everyone you've had on comes from a very different background. Like, my background with language acquisition is purely as a learner, like, whereas you have mm. a lot of people who are teachers or have been teachers in, in very different types of environments. Right. So you get a much broader perspective. It's really great. Yeah, and I'm trying to get people from different countries, different cultures, different family trees as well. Like, yeah, yeah. So we can talk about um, the alphabet, for example. Because right. if, if we're talking, if I'm talking to you or 
uh, French people or Italian or German, it's still the same alphabet. Right. But the moment we're talking with someone who teaches Chinese, like Diane that I had, so you have to get into different things like the alphabet or uh, the tones, you know. And, right. uh, yeah, tones are funny. We have pitch accent in Norwegian, hmm. um, but we don't have tones. And so uh, I've, I've always been really curious whether people like if people who come from a language with pitch accent are learning a language that has pitch accent or tones, even if it's a, it's a different system, like are they going to easily pick it up, pick it up or are they going to be just as bad as someone who's from a language that doesn't Are there any? some other languages that, are, that work like that? Pitch yeah. accent? Um, so it's the Scandinavian languages. Uh, I think all of them have it. Um, Japanese has it. Um, some dialects in Korean have it. Um, the standard Korean mostly doesn't. The, there's there's rumor that there's some pitch accent sneaking into the standard uh, standard Korean dialect, but mostly it's um, it's other dialects that haven't. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are lots. Those are the ones I'm aware of. All right. Well, so yeah, thank you again. Like I said. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Sure. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.